0: Earlier this year, the world looked on in shock as a consortium of the world's biggest football clubs, including six of England's richest teams, attempted an aggressive and ill-advised coup of the world's most popular sport. The proposed European Super League gave all football fans a deep sense of unease. What had been known for decades, but perhaps not truly acknowledged until now, was that football at the highest level had become little more than a plaything for the planet's wealthiest men. With that has come greater and greater polarisation between the rich and the poor, a disconnect between fans and the players they adore, and a desire to maximise profits above all else. I'm sure I'm not alone when I say the proposed Super League was met by little more than a shrug in my house. In all honesty, I was happy that the cat was finally out of the bag. Take your ball and sod off, I thought. My allegiances with football have always been less about the sport and more about everything good that comes with it the friendship, the camaraderie, the sense of unconditional inclusion. Now, it would of course be disingenuous of me to suggest that I, as a white heterosexual man in my mid-twenties, has ever had to truly deal with exclusion in any real-world sense. It would also be naive of me to suggest that football has always been a place where everyone feels welcome, far from it. But I firmly believe that football, more so than anywhere else, has the power to enact social movements that encourage better inclusion for all. With that in mind, I introduce you to the Football Without Everyone is Nothing series, brought to you in association with Man Markin. Every day this week, I'll be speaking to different individuals and organisations, all of whom have used football as a vehicle to improve social inclusion. As we all well know, social inclusion is a key component of improving our collective mental health. So that will be a crucial part of our focus as well. Today in episode number five, we'll be speaking to Karen Dobre from Lewis FC. If you'd like to get involved in any of the episodes or anything we're doing this week, you can find us on Twitter. That's at marking underscore man. And don't forget to use the hashtag football without everyone is nothing. Now I'm going to hand you straight over to Karen and then I will see you briefly on the other side. Of
1: course I will. Thanks Dan. Um, I'm Karen Dobre and I'm an elected director at, at Lewis FC sitting on the board there with them um, at the moment there are uh, seven of us and one co-opted director and uh, we kind of we're responsible for the strategic direction of the club and the strategic vision of the club.
0: And so your role then as, as, as co-chair when how and, and, and why did you first get involved with Lewis?
1: Um, that's, that is that is a big question and um, it's it's sort of it's got a lot in it. So I, I'm a woman in my 50s, <laughs> that, that is relevant dad. I'm not just saying it kind of like, <laughs> I don't know what I'd be
0: saying. Thought, where are you going with this question? <laughs> I know, like, I'm a
1: menopausal woman dad. <laughs> the point is right, that when really, what I'm trying to say is when I was growing up at school, football was for boys and uh, girls played that ball. And actually when I was, uh, you know, in the early days of, of my school days, the, there was still a ban an FA ban on women playing football, right? So um, I never thought that football was for me. I didn't have brothers, you know, my dad wasn't really into it. So it was something that I, it's not that I hated it, it's just that it wasn't really on my radar, not really. And when it was on my radar, it was like about hooligans and, uh, you know, overpaid players in jacuzzis or whatever, wags, you know, things that really I couldn't relate to and didn't want to relate to, or I would be on a tube train and there'd be all these football fans get on drunk and I'd have to move carriages or something. So I had quite negative associations with it. So it's kind of weird that I'm now a director of football club. And the reason that I am and how I got involved was because in two, well, in 2010, my local club, Lewis Football Club became community owned. And because I liked the idea of uh, collective ownership, and the fact that um, so many people from the town were associated with the football club, I bought a share because it was just, it's just 40 pounds. And I just thought, well, I'll sign up and I'll help my community, you know, because it's community owned and I like that. But I never really thought about going to a match. In 2017, uh, Lewis FC became the first club in the world to pay the women footballers the same as the men. And this made international headline news. And uh, I was... I was amazed on two counts. One, I didn't know there was a women's team down there. And I didn't really know that women seriously played football. That's how green I was. And the second count was you mean to say they play football and they don't get paid the same as the men. Right. So I had no idea of the kind of sexist wallpaper of football at that point. Um, So I went down to watch a women's match. I thought it was fantastic. It was so different to seeing men play football. Mm. For me as a woman, I didn't know all the rules, but it was a nice atmosphere. Uh, I was chatting to people next to me just while they were watching the match. I went on my own. And um, I thought the girls were great role models. Not, you know, because I, for my daughter and, and girls of that age, but also like even for myself, I got a kick out of it, frankly, of seeing women in public being, working in a team, uh, you know, caring about the ball, working together, being strong and dynamic, and all of those things, that ways that we actually don't see women being in public all that often, right? So so I loved it, and I sort of became a fan on the spot. I, I just kept going to matches and then and then there are there are over a hundred volunteers at, at Lewis FC, and I became one of them. I decided that women like me needed to know that Lewis FC were doing this amazing thing. And they needed to to come and watch these women play in order to dispel the critics who were saying that the women don't deserve to be paid the same as the men because they don't get the same crowds. So I wanted women like me to come and swell those crowd figures in solidarity, you know with the cause because I just loved it. Do you
0: know what's interesting? Yeah. So that's the the kinds of that that think last thing you just said is almost gets to the crux of the sort of argument that a lot of people have around why the men's and women's game is almost funded differently or treated differently as well. The men's game is a much more commercialised vehicle, so the players deserve more X, Y, and Z.
1: And
0: I've always kind of wondered what the kind of response to that is in terms of how do you argue against that, if you know what I mean? Because so so our team that I follow is Tranmere, and we're obviously, we're a League Two side. So right. we can't expect that we'll get the same amount of money that Man United get. If you see what I mean, because yeah, commercially yeah. we're not at the same level. Yeah. I always wonder what the kind of counter argument to that would be. I yeah. presume you have got a counter argument to, to, to that kind of yes.
1: <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, I have done. <laughs> of course, I have done. There's, a, there's a. I mean, it's a good point, right? Because if you if you follow it logically, you think, well, yeah, why would sponsors pay the same to sort of um, be on the the women's shirts as the men's when there's hardly anyone coming to the matches, right? It, it doesn't make sense economically. That's what you think first, but then you have to ask why is that? So we'll go back to the the ban on women's football in this. Co- let's just stick at this country, even though it, there was a similar bans at different times on in major footballing countries around the world on women playing football, like Brazil, like Germany, like Italy. So we could look at that another time. But there, there was a ban on women's football at a point when they were drawing crowds bigger than men in 1921, and. First of all, the women were ridic- ridiculed, for, ridiculed for playing football. Uh, this is when the men went to, to war, of course, and they were work. The women were working factories, making munitions, making parachutes. Started to kick a ball around in the in the factory yards. Started to play each other. Started to get organized. Factory playing factory. Eventually, they were getting crowds of tens of thousands. So that by the time the men came back from the war, um, you know, they were there were people outside Goodison Park couldn't get in to to watch uh, women's football. Um, and the men didn't couldn't catch up. So a couple of years after the war, the FA banned women from playing football. So then there were that that ban lasted for 50 years. During that time, um, the iconography of men's football was built up. The broadcasting rights were sold. All of the the history of football was um, the recent history of football was seen as as male. Uh, that's all you saw on, on the TV and in the press and um, before you know it, football is by default male. Um, But what if they hadn't banned women's football when they were getting crowds more than men? Uh, There might be a different sort of a playing field today. We say it's not level, it might have been not level the other way, we don't know. So we come to today and what has happened, for example, we can use Lewis FC as a guinea pig here because as I say, it's, it's the first club and as far as we know, the only club in the world to split playing budgets equally between men and women, since doing that, the crowd for our our women's games has quadrupled. So that it started in 2017, the average gate figure was around 120 for the women, around um, 450 for the men. Uh, Fast forward a couple of seasons pre-COVID, got to do pre-COVID, and uh, you've got 586 for the women, 610 for the men, which means that they're becoming aligned the way we did it was really through lots of marketing targeted um for the for the women's team so we targeted as i said what i call unwelcome women but also men who were a bit fed up with men's football in some way uh people who just wanted to support both both teams in their town not just the men's side um people who maybe couldn't make a saturday afternoon and wanted to see some football on a sunday um there there were and families as well because a lot of uh you know, we do face painting in, in our clubhouse uh, for kids, at women's matches. We also do pr- Prosecco on tap. <laughs> you know, we do, we try to sort of make it really attractive and uh, really tell people about what we were doing. And we had that easy line of being the first club in the world to, to pay women and men equally, uh, which was interesting and made, you know, headlines everywhere. So um, but, So what I would say to critics who say, well, you know, commercially, you can't argue that point is, first of all, men had a monopoly on football for years and that the market for the men's product is mature um, and gonna continue anyway. And second of all, um, I would say that when you do actually put resource behind your women, you can see that game grow as well. It's got so much potential as a product any business like if we're talking about commercial any business that had one product that was mature and another new product wouldn't keep putting all of their money behind the initial mature product they would start to develop the new product because there are plenty of people in the world that want to see women's football uh, there's nothing about it that's boring and there's nothing about there's nothing that says that women can't play football as well as men inherently either um, we've proven that, and it's been proven around the world. But until you know, until other clubs start investing in their girls and w- pathways and women's teams, um, you know, we 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 can't see we can't see the fruit of this. But hopefully, um, they will do. So yeah, that's my answer. Is simply um, it makes sense commercially to invest in your women's team, actually, and that they we're just starting off on a really really unlevel playing field where women have been ignored and and. Um, an afterthought for so so many years
0: yeah I think that's that's a, the, the point that you've made there about the fact that if you do back women's football if there is money put behind it we've only had to see that with the sort of like the WSL for example or the Lionesses the popularity of of those if you want to call them products for example uh, you know the way that they, they talk about like the Premier League for for for, for comparisons purposes the way that that, that, that has gone up in terms of popularity you look at the new tv deal that's come into place yeah. i think that it exemplifies that there is interest in that people do want to watch it and one question that i i always keep coming back to with this do you think it's worth for the women's game because i know this is a debate that's kind of had internally for the women's game as a as a, as a product as a support as a sport is it worth it looking at the men's game and learning from the ills and the mistakes that the men's game has has made as a as a as an international and even even on a national level we only have to look at like the ESL and the the problems that that has created between the sort of wealth disparity and the disparity between the supporters and the game is it worth the women's game more looking at itself in a different way rather than trying to create a level playing field if you see what I mean almost create a new sport like a different sport
1: yeah I absolutely I I I 100% um, agree with that I think you know, not, not to, you know, not to, to what's the word, like um, disrespect the men's game um, and, and the kind of, and what it, what it's like and what it does and what it stands for, but the women's game at the moment is very, very inclusive. It has these values that you see also with grassroots. Yeah. You, you see um, players signing autographs afterwards. Uh, you can, it's not too expensive. You can't buy it that you can't buy a ticket. Um, players are around to talk to, have photos with. Um, You don't get, well, we don't get abuse, right? We're very, you know, players can be out LGBTQ wise. Um, It's very accepting the atmosphere. And um, these are things that I and, and many of the people that come to watch women's football really value about the game. So I wouldn't necessarily want to see it follow the men's trajectory, Creating a level playing field is about equal opportunity, equal respect um, and equal value, really. It's not about being the same as. So what I, I think the women's game is, is a different product to the men's game. Certainly it can appeal to different people and it shows, You know, politically speaking with a small P, it shows women breaking stereotypes rather than with the men's game, they're kind of feeding into those stereotypes because that's what, you know, men are supposed to do socially condition-wise. But um, so I think it's a different sort of a thing. I, yeah. I don't think it should be marketed in the same way. And I think it should grow in a different way. And talking about the ESL and all of that, I mean, it, football should be for the fans. The fans are who created football. That's who it's for. So the game should grow according to what fans think and what fans enjoy, not... It shouldn't be about squeezing a profit out of it, um, and and just trying to over-commercialise it to the nth degree. That's not that's not why people have football in their hearts and minds all around the globe.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And I think perhaps one of the good things that may come come out of all of the sort of last few months or so may be that people have kind of taken more of an interest and in stock in what it is. Like why they're a football fan? What is it you're interested in? Like why do you do it? I mean, I had, I, we, I've had a lot of conversations on this podcast with people about yeah. football fans. The way football fans get incredibly angry and tribalistic yeah. and abusive about stuff, and you think this is meant to be fun? Like this is meant to be an <laughs> enjoyable experience? Yeah. Like you know? So we, uh, I said before, obviously we're Tramid fans. We we went out to the playoffs on on Sunday afternoon, yeah. and we were around one of the lads' houses watching it, and we we just ended up getting getting pissed afterwards, to be honest with you. And one of <laughs> the lads said he was like, "Do you know what? We lost, but we're having a bloody great time, aren't we?" And I was exactly. like, "That's that's what it's all about, isn't it? Really? And it's it's that kind of that that you know that bringing people together, really, I suppose, isn't it? And I guess, yeah.
1: Well, that's hopefully... why we're all united everywhere, aren't we? It's this yeah. united that you know. <laughs> it's about bringing people together. It's about healing division really it's it's about what we have in common and connecting us these are, these are wonderful values of football you know this is why i believe football has the potential to actually change the world in a very positive way and and it's just i hate i hate the abuse of football but i i would do as, as you say the last few weeks the last few months i do appreciate that that it's a good thing that people are asking these fundamental questions you know what what does football mean to me what do I want to get from my football fandom? You know, these these are important questions, and I'm glad people are asking them, even if it came from a dark moment. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I suppose then going back to Lewis and you were talking about the decision to to kind of split the funding between yeah. the, the, the 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 two sides of the almost the two sides of the club to a degree. Yeah. What was what was behind that decision? Why did why did the club decide to do that? Because it's quite a bold thing to do, particularly for club at that level as well what was the what was the kind of foundings of that decision
1: yeah yeah well it's a really good question because it you have to so you have to first of all think of the frame of mind in which the decision was made and to get there you have to think about the fact that we're socially owned so because we're 100 community owned we are we're a not-for-profit right so we're not trying to squeeze profits for shareholders we're trying to create value for the community around us now that could be the community of Lewis. It could be the footballing community. It could be the world in general because we have owners in 35 countries around the world at the moment. So we actually look for social issues and try to uh, address them in a positive way. So at that time on the board, directors were questioning the fact that when we look at the playing budget, we were assigning much more money to the men's team than the women's team but the women were doing amazing, right? So that made them question it, those two factors. One, we're supposed to be creating value here and setting some kind of example socially. So why are we paying the men so much more than the women? Two, um, hang on, the women are doing amazingly. Uh, Surely this isn't right, you know? So it sort of comes from a moral imperative as well as turning out to be a good business decision. And so what they did actually at that point, because bear in mind I wasn't on the board then, they, um, instead of cutting the men's budget at all, they raised the women's budget to match the men's. So they had to, you know, trust that making this bold move would actually also bring in some revenue to support (laughs) that decision, right? So, and we did, we got some sponsorship in, but basically directors do have to guarantee these decisions so that if the money doesn't come in, then we would have to uh, make up the shortfall, um, but yeah, we did get increased ownerships with that. We got so you know how resources often follow attention, and we just got so, so more more attention than we could cope with in a way because
0: <laughs> <you know? laughs> it was
1: such an interesting story. Yeah,
0: yeah, I wonder. I, I suppose to a degree, I, 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 and and you know, it's it's it's, uh, it's from a sort of business perspective, yeah. I guess, to make your way to a higher level of the women's game costs a lot less money than it does in the men's game to yeah. the point where you could imagine a scenario where the women's team for Lewis are supporting the men's team rather yeah. than the, the classic model, which is the other way around. If you see what I mean, because yeah. it is an opportunity, isn't there for, 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 for clubs to elevate themselves almost before the women's game properly takes off. Like financially, it, you know, if you see what I mean. So, obviously, Absolutely now with the TV control. deals coming in, it's giving that yeah. emphasis of this is where it's going.
1: Yeah.
0: Getting well ago is good almost well, to a degree.
1: And that's exactly what I say. I, I sort of say, well, while the other clubs are being dead sexist, right, we've got a window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of, you know, yeah. to kind of show what we can do and really get, like, our women finished fifth in the championship last season. And our aim would be to win the championship next season because we're aiming to go. We're not fully full-time yet, but we're aiming to work towards full-time next season. And then, you know, a couple of seasons time be in the Super League. That's our aim with the women, which is amazing from, from a club yeah. at Lewis's level, right? Um, the men's team, they're in the and We want them to win the league this coming season because we've got a couple of new managers in and, and they sound amazing. Uh, so we've got all the hope in the world here. And you're right though, as, as the women go up, we will always give the men just as much as the women and uh, hopefully elevate them leading with our women. And when
0: you, when the club kind of made that decision, did it receive or get any pushback or have any criticism? I mean, there was a lot of attention received. And, and I remember when it happened and I remember how positive most of the attention was. But equally with that, there will always be some naysayers will come with that type of decision because it was t- sort. of and um, still remains quite a, a a unique and controversial thing to do in football. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. What I was mean, this? Was, was, was there any pushback at all from any internally or externally?
1: Yeah, both. I mean, the thing is though, you know, when you're um when you're trying to create change, and and at Lewis, we are fans of change, right? We're fans of change because things need to change. Yeah, Dan, because the world is not a great place. There's a lot of change that needs to happen. And equality is a way that we can, uh, you know, that we can change things and we can do it quite, you know, fairly easily in football. Um, But you know that you're creating change when you get pushback, because if everybody agrees and everyone's happy with it, then you wouldn't be doing anything different, would you? You'd just Mm. be carrying on. So you've got to expect that. Um, Certainly, you know, we lost um, we lost a board member over it who said that, you know, it was becoming more like a political party than a football board. Uh, that, that was his opinion, you know, I, I, would, I would disagree with that, but you know, that's an opinion and fair enough. Um, what we like to do is align our footballing with our campaigning so that one feeds the other. The more we campaign, um, the more sponsors come in and we can feed our game quality. The more the game quality goes up, the bigger the platform we have for our messages. So it kind of works because we do, apart from you know, gender equality, we also campaign for the anti gamblification of football, for example. And, and it works quite well. But um, yes, there was pushback. And there were lots of people who, well, there were, I to say, lots of people. There were some people who said, um, you know, we're not interested in, in women's football. You know, we just want to see Lewis FC men play what is all this fuss about the women surely it's going to hurt the men's team in some way I don't get <laughs> how that would work but they were saying things like that and um you know there was uh, yeah there, there was there was pushback um but I'm happy to tell you that there were many many more people who totally backed it totally supported it and came on board because of it so at the end of the day as we say in football um the positives outweigh the negatives and uh, there was yeah i mean you know it's, it's hard to argue with the quality at the end of the day really
0: yeah absolutely i think once you start to you know over a period of time once you start to get those results and, and the plans that you're putting into place start to come to fruition it's very yeah. difficult to, to 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 try and make a case for why it's a bad decision because it Quite yeah. clearly, isn't a bad decision yeah. when when good things start to happen.
1: Good things happen, and the buzz around the club affected the men's team as well. You know, their gate figure went up too. So it's like, you know, it's 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 kind of a win-win. Everyone wins. We say, actually, we do say, equality is a rising tide that lifts all our boats, and that's how that's how it seems to be working at Lewis FC so far.
0: Yeah, and it's an interesting situation. That type of thing, isn't it? Because I think often there is people who people who aren't in a position where their um, ability to be seen socially as equal isn't ever or hasn't ever been threatened, that it's hard for them to comprehend why it's important for other peoples to be represented and brought up, as you say, to a kind of level playing field. So I think people kind of automatically assume that it will see them worse off when actually everybody benefits, when everybody benefits generally. Mm -hmm. So
1: It's so right. You're just completely right, Dan. I mean, what I, I actually have a little term for it that you know it's just my term, but I call it male football privilege because um actually what what men have had for years is this monopoly and this uh, th- these assumed rights over football, and this um kind of like this, I don't know, this natural assumption that football is for them and that maybe, Sometimes not this, of course, not all men, just some men that might argue, and and that women are sort of muscling in on their act. But you know, I speak to women football players, and that passion is in their hearts, and that passion is in their soul, and they love it so much. And oh my goodness, we've got a women's walking football team and talking to a 78-year-old on the team and a 65-year-old on the team who who's were told they were weird for playing football when they were young and had their football taken away from them and have only regained their passion uh, much later in life um it's kind of sad and moving that all those years they were deprived of this game that's mm-hmm. the most popular sport in the world just because they were women and if you don't you know because men haven't had that they haven't had that um feeling and that deprivation so yeah it is hard to empathize and you do it is hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes but my goodness, talk to a few women football players and they will tell you the experiences they've had, whether it's having to pick up chicken poo off a pitch before they can train, or whether it's not getting any football boots because it's only for the men's team, or whether it's not having enough training socks to wear because you don't get them if you're if you're on the women's team, or, or having getting defunded because there wasn't enough for the men's team. There's so many stories. And if you listen to the stories, you soon realise that if you're a man involved in football, um, you know, you've, you've got an advantage and theref- therefore you should maybe listen, just try and listen a bit more before you jump to a, to a d- opinion on it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you've used the way of kind of equality a number of times. I know Lewis has kind of been dubbed Quality FC and that's a big part of, you know, everything that kind of goes on at the club. Um, I suppose probably what football fans who, who, who've listened to your story and listened to what has gone on at Lewis and what happens all the time might be thinking, is that something that our club can do? Is that feasible for a club? You know, for example, at our level, at Tranmere's level, I mean, we've got a women's team, but obviously it's, it plays at a considerably lower level than the men's team would play at in terms of standards. I mean, one of our, so one of our mates is the the Tranmere women's manager. So he got the the, the job quite recently um, So uh, is that something that's feasible for clubs at all levels, do you think?
1: Well, I mean, to to say it's feasible at at all levels immediately would be wrong, right? But there are certain things that you can replicate immediately about what Lewis has done. So, for example, um, things like social media handles. We have on Twitter Lewis FC men and Lewis FC women. And the reason we have that is because... If you if you just have Lewis FC, people will assume that's the men, and then they'll just look at that maybe. And you've got Lewis FC women as separate from the club, uh, which which is not equality and it's not respectful. So we have those two handles so that people can see them equally, really. And that's something we do it on Instagram, we do it on Facebook. That's something people can do overnight. You know, they don't they don't have to wait to do that. Then, for example. Let's talk about, I don't know, training facilities, Um, equal access to those, equal access to the slots um, for training, playing on what pitch do they play on? Like our women play at the dripping pan, just like our men do. Um, and, And we make absolutely sure of that, the dripping pan is two minutes from Lewis station. So no one has to travel a particularly long way to go and watch a women's team. They also have the same facilities. They, you can buy exactly what you could at a men's match at a women's match. Um, and just this just isn't the case. Like when we go and play away, um, the, you know, sometimes we've been to play uh, women's teams where they're, they're associated with quite good clubs, but you can't get, your pie and chips and your cup of tea necessarily mm. you know what I mean it's it's just wrong so um maybe they could do uh, increase the marketing towards their women's team and think about it in terms of how much they put behind their men's team maybe their girls academy could be as fu- as funded as much as their boys academy there are all sorts of things you can do before you actually talk about pay or or equal budgets Cause I know that for a lot of clubs, that's going to be really hard <laughs> to do, um, you know, quickly, but it's about intent and it's about uh, whereabouts in your mind, the, the women's team are, are they at the front? Are they at the back? You know? Um, and it's about, you can replicate the intent and you can make some decisions right now. Really?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess for, uh, do you know what that, the thing about the Twitter handles is really, that's really interesting that because I guess most football clubs, so like ours will be Atramirovas and then there'll be an Atramirovas ladies, but there won't be an Atramirovas men. No. It'll just be Atramirovas and then Atramirovas ladies. Yeah. Exactly. Not, yeah. And that's quite a, I suppose when you, without thinking about it, there's an unconscious bias that you're already making just by that very, very nature of that thing. is And a lot of yeah. football fans, interactions with their club is done through social media as well isn't
1: it I mean it's unconscious right people aren't thinking about it it's just historically what's always been done but what does that say to a little girl or a little boy you know it's already planting in their minds that football is by default male and you have to add on the women and be specific about them
0: yeah absolutely and you've you've kind of talked a couple of times kind of about you know how Lewis is that he's sort of 100% community owned, and when you go into the website, it, it's quite easily accessible. You know, become an owner is the the kind of the kind of thing on the website. In terms of people becoming an owner in that scheme, and you know that that kind of element of which you said was something that was really important to you, where where do you think you know how much does that make the club kind of stand apart from other clubs at your level, and also other clubs at higher levels as well?
1: Stand apart well I, th- I think it's fairly unusual to have a a 100% community owned club it's not it's not unique um but i think what it does is it it's um well it, it sets the agenda and it means that so many people feel that they have a stake in lewis fc and people see it as our it's our home i don't say their home i say our home like i'm an owner we're all kind of on the same level um directors are elected that means directed uh, elected by the ownership and you can stand for election as soon as you become an owner you know you can uh, every october we we have elections um so you we have a supporters club there are lots of ways that you that people can be really really involved and take responsibility um, for the club and, and shape it um, in the way that they they want to see it go Uh, You you know, I I walk into the dripping pan and there are a few people around and if someone's dropped a crisp packet or something, you know, someone will pick it up because it's like your own front room. Mm. You know, it's like this is ours. This is this is ours. We're we're a family um, in many ways. (laughs) So um, I don't know. I think it just really underlines um, the connection that we have to the club. It's it's everybody's It's, it's we call it a sacred community asset. Um, whether you even like football or not, there are still people, there's, at the moment there's, there's an opera, there's an opera rehearsing right in the stands, for example, in the day, uh, we have um, people using it for wellbeing support groups, you know, it, uh, we, have, um, yeah, we have so many um, different parts of our community. We've got a BLM event happening in June, uh, coming in to, to use the club as their own even if it's not directly associated with a football match. So I think that community ownership does say a lot to people about the importance of a football club to everybody in its community. It really is for all.
0: And that's and it is something that literally anybody can get involved with to a degree, isn't it? That, 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 that You know, you go into the website and if you want to, to be a part of it in a small way, that's easily doable, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you just could. You can just become an owner for 40 pounds a year. Or if, if you know somebody that wants to own a football club, it's a very nice birthday present. You know, you can gift <laughs> an ownership and then suddenly you own a football club. And, what you know, it's great. You get a newsletter every week and we kind of keep people up to date about all the comings and goings and what's going on and various community groups that, that we're involved with um we support a lot of groups that well it's mutually supportive really that that's that empower women and girls in some way as i say we we support anti-gamblification of football um updates on you know the players uh, so at the moment it's like people who are leaving and people who are signing and um you know stuff that like this this podcast for example can go into the newsletter stuff that we do um and yeah it's it's a uh, you get discounts as well. You get discounts for being an owner of Lewis FC with our sponsors and uh, yeah, rounder uh, like spec savers and things like that. just just people who you know support us really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those things, isn't it? Where I think it probably gives people a bit of a sense of pride as well to feel part of something. And you know, uh, going back to yeah, the, 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 the the conversation we were having before, Karen about the ESL and and you know the the, the sort of perhaps the shift in the way that people are. T- maybe not so much what their understanding of where football was going in the modern world, but maybe just more their appreciation of, of, of that kind of direction. And I guess for, for, for me, certainly the thing that I've always loved about football is that feeling of being part of something that's bigger than you are, regardless Mm. of, I mean, I've the team that I've supported, have been crap for basically the entire time (laughs) I've supported them and up until two or three years ago, we'd never won anything. We'd never done anything of any note. I mean, we obviously, we, we had some cup runs and stuff when I was a kid, but, you know, we, we, we'd we been relegated, you know, three or four times and, and the, the, my bad memory is going to somewhere in the middle of nowhere and getting beaten on a Tuesday night, but, I was saying to one of my mates the other day and I was just like, I'd absolutely kill now to just go to Grimsby and get whacked about 6-0 on a Tuesday yeah. night in November. It would be brilliant. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's kind of what football is, isn't it? For for yeah. for, for, for At a fundamental level in this country, yeah. that's what football's for, isn't it? It's yeah. to kind of unite people.
1: It unites people and it also, it kind of teaches you... Well, if you're if you're up for it, it teaches you that you can fail and you go again. I mean, these are important life lessons, Dan, right? And you learn that you don't learn them on your own. You learn them as as you say, as part of something much bigger. I mean, you know, I, I love the chanting, right? I love the chanting at football matches. But <laughs> we're called the Rooks, and I, I love it when um, we're all chanting for the Rooks. You know, whether it's we will we will Rook you or Rook inside <laughs> your head, I said Rook you know, any of that stuff. I love it and. And I love it because it's with everybody, and you're in unison. And you know, one person starts, and then everybody joins in. And you do, you feel like you're all in this together. You're part of something bigger. And I think that's kind of natural for human beings, like to to be like alone and and have just focus on on yourself all the time. Is I don't think it's you know it's not so great for us really, uh, like even mental health wise. So I think it's really um, one of the things about the football that I've grown to really love.
0: Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. And then to wrap up, kind of my final question would be, and and you've talked about, I mean, you, met, you used the, the phrase before, you genuinely believe football can, can change the world. And I, and I do, to a degree, I do completely agree with you. I think it's, as, as much as anything else has got the possibility of real change, forcing real change on kind of social matters. I don't think there's any one single thing that has... The possibility of doing that more than football has right
1: yeah.
0: mainly just because of that I don't think there's anything that people love as much as people love their football clubs yeah. and I think you know people will follow them to the ends of the earth quite literally
1: yeah
0: what, why do you think football is such a good vehicle for those social movements why why does it mean so much the people
1: I well um I think well football has such power over people's hearts and minds doesn't it because it's um I think it's easy to do, it involves, you know, you just need a, a ball and, and jumpers for goalposts, or whatever, anyone can kind of join in, um, it's, it's got that pride of, of your town, your tribe um, involved in it, and it's, it's hugely, yeah, it, it just hugely, ca- it's that comp- com- competition, that sacrifice, that effort, it's all those amazing values that, that people don't necessarily get anywhere else. And I think because it's so popular, it just has, it gets all those headlines. It's got immediate media attention, which is why it's good for changing the world, right? A, it gets all the attention of all these people around the whole world, football's popular, and B, at the moment, a lot of those people are men, Dan, right? And the thing is, you know, it's actually what what we've, what we learn time and time again with all the the kind of things that happen is that it's men that need to change. Um, It's, you know, to make it better for themselves as well as women, because at the moment, um, you know, men have the power in our society, generally speaking, uh, not individual men. I just mean, you know, I'm talking about the patriarchy, really. And football's a reflection of that. It's a reflection of, of the way that we live. So, if we can change things in football, uh, I really think that we have a chance to change the world. I'm interested in what you said. You said to a degree. So, what was your, tell me what you meant? Well,
0: I'm, 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 I blame you, Dad, but I'm a natural skeptic most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I think I do agree. I think it's, it's, I think you would only have to look at things like, um, the, the the conversations the football has the ability to start that nothing yes. else has the ability to start yes. things things like the um black lives matter stuff and yeah. and, and and the way that, that is the the, the continues the, the Premier League and the other leagues continue to take the knee you know with for the for the rights and wrongs that people have with that and that, and obviously that's a separate debate but it just continues that conversation it keeps it in Absolutely. a mass audience and, yeah. and, and 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 it means that you know, where, where is oh, you know, there was obviously a big furore around that type of thing with regards to the Oscars a little while ago, and then it, it bubbles up and then it goes away.
1: Yeah. And then
0: but with, with football, these things just tend to sit there and sit there and sit. And someone goes, right, let's sort this out then, because there's yeah. clearly a problem here. Yeah. And, and 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 I just want to enjoy the football, which is generally most people's sponsors. Let's sort this out because I want to enjoy the football.
1: Yeah.
0: And and and, exactly. and 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 that's what it's all about. Is someone's not enjoying it. So let's find out how we can make sure everyone's enjoying it.
1: So it's a, so it's about, isn't it, being happy together in the world? And I'm, I'm sorry if that sounds really hippie-ish, right? Because I don't even mean it. But it is, we just, we can do it through football. We can change the things that are wrong, sort them out so that we can concentrate on the game and move forward together, right? Yep. We're driving culture forward with football. And that's what it is. We say it, Lewis, we're using it as, as an engine for social change and, and that's what we're doing. And, uh, and, it, and you know, so far, it, Dan, it's, it's working, I think which is great and I just hope it carries on working and that we get, you know, more owners. One of our aims is to be the most owned club in the world. So we've got some way to go to catch up with Barcelona, right? (laughs) Um, But yeah, the more owners we can get, the more of a statement we can make.
0: I mean, the way Barcelona are going, they won't exist in about six months anyway. And about nine hundred million quid in debt, so I wouldn't, wouldn't worry so much about them.
1: <laughs> Maybe we'll be the most owned club in the world sooner than we think.
0: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> as soon as they get Messi off the wage bill, they'll be fine. As long as you don't pick him up, I think, think you're, think you're kind of golden. <laughs> It'll be all right. And, um, Karen, that's all of my questions. Um, thank you so much for for your time. It's been it's been really enjoyable. Oh, it's, been-
1: it's lovely to meet you, Dan.
0: Yeah, you I'm too. Thanks, thanks me. so much. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>
1: All right
0: then huge huge thanks to karen for getting involved there it was an absolute pleasure to have here on the show and have her involved in the football without everyone is nothing series if you want to find out more about karen you can find her on twitter at karen dobre and you can also find lewis fc They've got two separate Twitter accounts, as Karen mentioned. That's at Lewis FC Women and at Lewis FC Men. Or you can head over to their website, which is www.lewisfc.com. We'll be back again tomorrow with episode number six, where we'll be speaking to Owen Coyle Jr. from the England Amputee Football Association. Thanks to you for listening.